Today on Abounding Grace from Pastor Ed Taylor. So many are eager, you might even hear it, see it on a bumper sticker, I'm willing to die for Christ. That's a noble desire. But in our lifetime thus far, none of us here in the Western church have been requested to die for our faith. It's not a desire of whether you would be willing to die for your faith. Right now, God is asking you, are you willing to live out your faith? Are you willing to pay the personal sacrificial cost to live out your faith? This is amazing grace. This is unfailing love. That you would take my place. That you would bear my cross. You As you look all around, it's not hard to see people by and large are living for the material realm. But life does not consist in the abundance of the things that we possess. And when we come to realize the world and universe around us will be destroyed one day, it really is rather foolish to store up riches here on earth. Today on Abounding Grace, we join Pastor Ed Taylor in 2 Peter 3 and see the wisdom in living for the eternal. These are needed words for a day like ours. So let's get into this with an open mind and open heart. Take your Bibles, open them. 2 Peter chapter 3 as we finish off our study verse by verse through 2 Peter. What a study it's been. And we leave off with a word that I want to present to you just to consider in your own life. And the word is passion. Passion. There's all sorts of definitions that we think of when we think of the word passion. But Webster's defines passion this way, intensity, overmastering feelings. It also uses the word conviction. Other words for passion include zeal, enthusiasm, and fervency. And as we end our study with Peter here in his second letter, I think of passion and, you know, I say, that's what I want for my life. I, I want a passionate, zealous, enthusiastic relationship with Jesus. That's what I want for my life. That's what I want for you. I want us to remember how God has changed our lives. For many of us, we need to keep at the forefront where we came from. New creations in Christ, yes. And then it says, though, old things passed away. We can't ever forget. We don't dwell on it, but we can't ever forget the old things that have passed away. What God has delivered us from. The, the miry clay. The, the place of great depth of darkness. The Bible says that he's delivered us from the power of darkness and literally transformed us and transferred us into the kingdom of light. I want a faith that overmasters my flesh, that fills me with conviction and a zeal for the lost. I don't want to be easily sidetracked. I don't want to be taken off track by people, by, by situations, by causes, by feelings, by emotions. I look back at my own life and I think of, you know, I have been a man, you know, it's a man that could be described as uh, with intensity and focus. And I look back on my past and I've, I've lived with a passion most of my life. The problem is early on, the passion and zeal in my life was spent and wasted on this world. It was spent and wasted on myself. It was spent and wasted 
in a, in to the end point of where it brought, brought a lot of pain and emptiness, not only into my life, but the people that love me. And a passionate life that's invested in the kingdom of God will bring out, well, unfortunately, it'll bring out a disdain towards you. We don't expect that. We expect, pe- we, we, we expect a, res- uh, a respect for people that are serious about what they believe. We expect a, an honor for people that you know, really believe uh, what they say and live it out. But in this world, this world is in hostile opposition to the things of God. I don't know any other way to put that. And it's much broader than you might even think. It's, there is a hostility to the gospel of Jesus Christ in this world and in this world system. Primarily because the world hates Jesus. And because Jesus is hated, the followers of Jesus will share in that hatred. Not, only, not everyone in your life will be happy that you're living for Jesus now. In my devos through the book of Acts, just even today I was reading chapter 7 about the life of Stephen. And here's Stephen, a faithful young man. I was chosen to be one of the table waiters. We'll get to that soon enough. A faithful deacon, that's the Greek word that's used to describe those that were going to distribute things so that the apostles, the pastors of the church could dedicate themselves to prayer and the ministering of the word of God. And as they were doing that, these men were chosen to take care of the difficulties in the church and to take care of the distribution of the the welfare system and the, the things that were needed among the widows and all the things that were needed in the church. Stephen was a faithful young man and was given opportunity to share between, before the religious rulers and he rehearsed for them their whole history. But, but they were upset with him and they induced people, the Bible says in Acts 7, to lie about him. And, and then they had and to stir up the crowds against him. And then they had other people lie about him to the authorities And it was after those two events that what we have, we find the authorities coming down on him. We find the authorities mistreating him. We find the authorities uh, treating him very unfairly. What was his response? He gave them the word. And he spoke to them like like the, the, the appearance of an angel. And they couldn't resist his wisdom. And they couldn't resist what he was teaching. And in between being treated poor, poorly, and in between being treated really badly, he shares the gospel with them, and you get to the end of the chapter, and what was the reward? They killed him. And you go, what? That, that's just not right. So unfair. How could God even use unfairness? How, how could God use such injustice? Okay, I'm going to give you a hint. Go ahead. Come to Acts real quick. I want, to, I want you to see this. Some of you already know the answer to this, but you got to understand something. Uh, since I've already taken you there, let's go all the way. Acts chapter 7. We'll study this on a weekend in a couple years, but let me give it to you right now. Here we go. This is so amazing. Uh, it says in verse 54 now, 54. And you can read the whole chapter to pick up where I, what he taught, how they treated him. But in verse 54, here's the conclusion. When they heard these things, they were cut to the heart. And you're like, okay, everybody gets saved, right? <laughs> Look at what they did. They acted like kids. They acted like babies. They gnashed that him with their teeth. I mean, who does that? When's the last time you had an adult human being gnash at you with their teeth? But babies do it all the time, you know? And notice, here's here's Stephen. He being full of the Holy Spirit gazed into heaven. 
he saw the glory of God, Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he said, look, I see the heavens open, the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. And they cried out with a loud voice, and they stopped their ears. So they're gnashing at their teeth. They stopped their ears, and look, they ran at him with one accord. They cast him out of the city, and they stoned him. And the witnesses laid down their clothes at the feet of a young man named, what's his name? Saul. Saul. In a couple chapters, you'll be introduced to this guy named Saul. We actually know him as Saul of Tarsus. Stephen, can God use injustice in your life? Can he use unfairness? There isn't anyone listening to me right now that hasn't experienced some injustice or unfairness. Some sin perpetrated upon them. I think of those of you here today that came from a broken home. I think of you, those of you that came here today from a broken marriage, from a broken life. Injustice is all around us because sin breaks and sin destroys. But it's not outside the will of God. Stephen, it's horrendous, it's horrific. But he engaged, he took uh, opportunity, he used the moment. Who would have thought? Who could have predicted that where they throw their cloaks when they're killing him would be at the feet of this guy named Saul? And I believe this was the moment of no return for Saul. I believe this event that he saw and heard with his own eyes and his own ears as he was standing there while they ran after Stephen, changed him forever. It, it changed, it, he couldn't shake the testimony of Stephen in his life. And you say, Ed, but why, Pastor? Why is that so significant? Well, Saul of Tarsus, he becomes who we know now as Paul the Apostle. Paul's mentioned in our text tonight. Paul the Apostle is responsible for the greatest missionary journeys of all human history. This man that hated the church, that hated Christians, that was there at the stoning of Stephen, participating, I'm sure, through the whole thing, up, to, up until the stoning, here he is. Here he is having to deal with injustice in his life. And he can't, he's watching all, and it transformed him, preparing him for the appearance of Jesus on the road to Damascus then in chapter 9 of the book of Acts, which we also will study. So you too need to expect that things may not always go your way when you follow Christ, that it might get worse and harder. That's not unusual. That's normal Christian living. Family members might misunderstand you. Friends might not like the new you. False teachers will come and try to take advantage of you. They hear of your newfound faith and they now like, wow, that's someone that I can influence in an early stage. Mockers will come, Peter writes, to discourage you away. But the Bible says, Jesus will never leave you or forsake you. Or as we learn in John 14, he won't leave you orphans. You'll never be alone. Jesus is always with us. And so Peter writing as a pastor in 2 Peter and 1 Peter, he's writing to believers under great injustice. 
He's writing to believers on the run. Great unfairness. They're not feeling like it's unjust. It is. They're not feeling like it's wrong. It, it is. They're not feeling like they have to run. They are for their very lives. And Peter, writing as a pastor, as we've studied, is encouraging them in the faithfulness of God. So pick up with me in verse 13 where we left off there in chapter 3. It says, Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for a new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Our affections, church, should be on above, not here temporary on earth. It's all temporary. I know it's the fullness of our life in the moment, but it's all temporary. You think back at some of the trials and some of the pain and some of the depth, and you thought it would never end, but here you are today. It's a little bit better. For some of you, it's a lot better. Why? Because it's a reminder of the temporariness of life. The healing power of Christ, our affections should be upward. Notice verse 14, therefore, therefore, beloved, looking forward to these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace without spot or blemish. I love that in verse 14. Peter, you know, you, you picture him as this real strong fisherman. And one of the words he used the most in his letter is beloved. You know, you're the beloved of Christ too. You're loved. You're loved by God. You're loved by me as your pastor and your friend. You're loved by the, the, the folks that are sitting around you. We may be still learning how to communicate that to you, how to, how to express that to you, but there is love in the house because the God of love indwells us. And it's okay if you start walking around instead of saying, hey, brother, hey, sister, just start addressing, hey, beloved, you're beloved. I mean, it might be an easy way to step into expressing, you know, I love you as a sister. I love you as a brother in the Lord. I mean, just receiving that, especially in the midst of trial, in the midst of difficulty. Peter, he says, therefore, beloved, since we're looking forward to these things, verse 14, you have a responsibility. Be diligent. Show effort. You can circle that word next to that word, right? Effort. Focused effort. Diligence. Focused effort. Be diligent. Be diligent. You have an expectation. Yes, along the way as we wait for the soon return of the Lord, our hearts are breaking over the destruction of sin, over the hardships, over the brokenness in this world, over the hopelessness. So many given over to their lusts and their desires. And as a result, so many are getting hurt. So many are being hurt because of sin. But you're looking at these things. You're looking forward to the new heaven and the new earth. So be diligent. Make up your mind. Be diligent. What? To be found by him, first of all, number one, in peace. This word peace literally means an absence of war. Where you're not arguing and you're not creating division. You're not asserting yourself and with a scorched earth attitude, just taking people out but rather live with peace, the peace of God, the peace with God, the peace that only comes from God. Be anxious for nothing, 
the Bible says. Paul writes, be anxious for nothing, but in all things by prayer and supplication with thanksgiving, make your request be made known to God. That's, whenever you make requests be known to God, just understand that's relationship. When you talk to somebody, it says, that's your relationship. Make those requests be made known to God. And the peace of God that surpasses all understanding will what? Guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus. The peace of God is yours by faith. Be diligent to be found in peace. Peace with God and peace with others. The Lord can come at any moment. And he doesn't want us caught up in things that are disruptive in the body of Christ. Notice, he says, without spot and blameless. This, in the Jewish mind, would bring up memories of what? The spotless lamb, the sacrifice. So now we have language that Peter's using in the midst of hardship, in the midst of difficulty. Live in peace, personally, corporately, but also remember the spotless lamb, living sacrifice. Uh, hold your place. Turn over to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12. Such a beautiful passage of scripture reminding us of our role in the body of Christ and who we are in Christ. Notice Romans chapter 12. I love this. Right before he begins to speak about the spiritual gifts, he says, he says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercy, this is right there in the beginning, verse one, I beg you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. Peter says, without spot or blemish, holy, Paul comes and says, I'm putting them together, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And don't be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you might prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Peter says it a little differently. He says, be found without spot or blemish. Be found without spot or blemish. The Lord will come at any moment. You don't want to be caught in a sinful lifestyle. You don't want to be caught in a position of neglect spiritually. You know, there are always those when we begin to talk about the holiness of God, when we begin to talk about the righteousness of God, there are always those, and perhaps some of you are maybe listening online right now, listening on the radio, you, you come back and go, you know what, that's very legalistic, pastor. You can't tell me how to behave. You can't tell me what to do, all this holiness, and how, who's, what's the definition of holy and spot? And, and they get all the attitude because they have hidden sin in their life. That's really the essence of it. It's a response, it's a defensive response to the reality that God's will for your life is to be found peaceful without spot and blemish, abiding in Christ. You might say today, you know, Ed, well, my sin doesn't even bother me. It's not that big a deal. It's a small sin. What do you mean your sin doesn't bother you? Is your conscience not seared? Don't you care about the name of the Lord? Or how about this? You're living in sin right now? Are you even saved? Make your calling and election sure. Make your calling and election sure. And then the response is, well, you, Ed, you can't judge me. Don't question my heart. You don't know me. You're right. I don't know you. But I do know this. Jesus nowhere, anywhere, at any time, 
gives us permission to live a lifestyle of sin. He died. Sacrifice, he was tortured for the sin that you take so as common. The spots in your life, the blemishes. You know, spots and blemishes, if we look at it in an application, it's kind of like, well, you know, I've always been angry. Well, that's a pretty serious spot because the Bible says that the wrath of man does not produce the righteousness of God. That's no, well, you know, I've always been that way. It's kind of my, how I was raised or, you know, it's kind of my personality. You know, I've always kind of uh, exaggerated a little bit. No, actually, you're a liar. And it's a spot and a blemish in your life. It doesn't help the cause of Christ. It doesn't help God use your usefulness in God's hands. And you know, these things, these spots and blemishes, they get bigger and bigger when pressure's on. A lot's revealed in our lives. And God would use the trials and circumstances to reveal so that we might surrender. Such a great prayer request today. Reveal things so we might surrender. What a great message here in 2 Peter chapter 3, and so needed. Thanks for joining us here on Abounding Grace with Pastor Ed Taylor. Before we part ways, just a few things we want to tell you about. If you'd like to hear today's message again, log on to AboundingGraceRadio.com. Again, we're on the web at AboundingGraceRadio.com. Over the past couple of years, discouragement and depression have been on the rise. And maybe that would describe where you're at today. We have a book we'd like to recommend to you that can help. It's Struggling Under the Broom Tree by Bill Gem. Pastor Bill recalls the life of Elijah, someone who battled with discouragement and depression too. But God, in his faithfulness, brought him out from under the broom tree of despair. If God did this for Elijah, you can be sure he can do it for you too. Read all about God's rescue plan for discouragement in Struggling Under the Broom Tree. Request a copy today when you support Abounding Grace with a gift of $25 or more. You might think of it as our way of saying thank you. You can do that by calling 877-30-GRACE. Again, the number is 877-30-GRACE. Pastor Ed, it's always nice when we hear from our listeners. Even just a quick email really means a lot. How are you and the team personally encouraged when a listener reaches out? Well, it's a great question because actually today I went through my email uh, this morning. I got up super early and I was going through my email and at least 20 different emails were in my box in response to a recent Abounding Grace episode. And it's just encouraging. Uh, and let me just say at the outset, you can email me personally. It comes right to my box, ed at edtaylor.org. It has to be .org. Because I know many of you already know this, but it's funny to repeat it. The dot com, a, Santa, a professional Santa Claus is named Ed Taylor, and he owns that other domain. So you've got to do dot org, ed at edtaylor.org. And I'd love to hear from you. I'd love to hear what God's doing in your life. If we offer any resources, I'd love to send you things. But we're totally, we're, we're so encouraged by what the Lord's doing. I mean, one of the emails today was a prayer request, a, a a sister in the Lord uh, just started listening to our program in another part of Colorado, and she heard me share a little bit of my testimony, and it rem it it reminded her, connected her to her son, who's actually in the area here, uh, living a life of rebellion and drug abuse, and so she wrote me a long email uh, asking me to pray, asking me to come alongside and encourage her and. And I think the Bible study encouraged her because that's 
what we receive when we hear from the word, it encourages us. And I mean, I could go on and on. We want to hear from you. Uh, you can go to my website, edtaylor.org, or you can go to our radio website, aboundinggraceradio.com, or email me directly. We'd love to hear from you. And we've just added the opportunity. You can text us. So we have a dedicated text line. Uh, you don't call this number, but text it. You ready? It's 720-336-0897. 720-336-0897. And you can text us your prayer requests. You can text us a question or you know some any way you want to connect with us. We're, we want to provide more avenues for you uh, to connect with us here at Calvary and Abounding Grace Radio. So bless you guys. Be encouraged in the Lord. So email us today through our website at aboundinggraceradio.com. We hope to hear from you soon. We've got one more message to go in Second Peter, and we'll have that for you next time on Abounding Grace with Ed Taylor. In the meantime, let's be living in light of eternity. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.